0: Hi and welcome to Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo and I'm the community field representative with Western United Dairies. Today we have on the CEO of Wood, Anya Radabaugh, to talk about Landflex. So let's get into it.
1: Hi hey guys, hope you had a great week. We started this shortened holiday week off with a couple reports on Tuesday. First, the global dairy trade event on early Tuesday morning. We saw whole milk powder prices improve for the first time in quite some time. It was not China, however, pushing those prices higher. We saw buying interest from other regions of the globe. Skim milk powder on that auction, however, did not receive the same kind of love and prices were down. It did seem a bit positive, though, for our domestic nonfat markets to see that whole milk powder price rebound some. And then later in the day, we got the dairy products report showing nonfat production down and inventories down, and that seemed to just give the non-fat market a little bit of boost it had been looking for. So we saw some improvement for a few days. We did close the week at $1.10. Over on butter, it was relatively quiet, although we did lose a little ground here at the end of the week, down five cents, closing the week at two sixty eight. Over on cheese, it was relatively quiet until Friday. When we de- did see some offers on both blocks and barrels, we closed blocks at $1.92.50, still a great price. Barrels at $1.82.75. Those were both down about $0.04 cents just on Friday alone. Next week is pretty quiet as far as reports go. I will point out for anybody who uses the Dairy Revenue Protection Program The deadline to get fourth quarter coverage is Friday, and we have seen a nice rebound in both class three and class four futures in Q4 and out into 2024. So encourage folks to take a hard look at that, especially if we can possibly gain a little more ground this week to come. Please reach out if you have any questions.
2: Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe.
1: Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust whether you're purchasing real estate making improvements to the dairy or wanting to purchase or lease equipment we're here to help our members prosper visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you Today we
0: have on anya radabaugh how are you anya
2: i'm great thanks for asking
0: so anya is going to kind of talk about Land flex and some of the results that uh came from the program um, as to how much water was saved etc so Anya, would you like to talk about some of the results from round one and uh, we could start with uh acreages uh the amount of acreage that was enrolled
2: We can. And I think that it's actually phase one and phase two. Um, I guess you could call it round one of funding, which was split into two phases. But the the LandFlex program that DWR is celebrating today um, has emerged as kind of an innovative and versatile, versatile tool for ag water management, groundwater sustainability and human right to water initiatives. So we operated through the collaboration of GSAs and proactive farmers whose mutual goal was to safeguard domestic water systems in vulnerable communities. And not only did we do that, but we achieved a number of groundwater sustainability goals and ultimately bolstered climate resilience. So just broad figures, um, this is more for the farmer side of things. Um, 4,317 total acres of farmland were enrolled in LandFlex which allows the farmers to continue farming those same amount of acreage, but permanently reduce demand on the applicants. So again, the sustainable yield and any uh, groundwater that was recharged in this last flood is totally acceptable for farmers to continue to use on these enrolled acreage. But what they did give up was what's known as transition water. Basically, all of their future ability to use overdraft. So we celebrate that over 4,300 acres were enrolled. And that's the highest enrollment um, that anyone's ever gotten in a program like this, even on the Colorado River. So there was clearly a, a solid incentive here offered up by the Department of Water Resources. So that said, in addition to the 4,317 acres of land enrolled, we now know that land flux has permanently saved water. For thirty-six thousand three hundred households in the valley, so drinking water wells um, that equates to just over fifty-two thousand households and underserved communities specifically. So we got a lot of bang for our buck. And the those of us who've been listening to Landflex for a while know that the program was divided up into phases, and so the initial phase the initial following for that first year. We also now know that we saved 16,161 domestic wells in the valley. So just as a recap, you know, providing protection for these vulnerable domestic wells was really a primary goal, but it started as a drought program that eventually evolved into a recharge program, a community flood protection program. And so LandFlex spanned across five counties in the Central Valley and six GSAs were the ones that achieved these real and miserable results. So I would say that DWR is very pleased LandFlex has surpassed its original purpose and initial purpose, which again, was just a drop program. And they found out that this really exemplifies the potential of a community driven solution that might actually make meaningful and impactful results a lot of people approach Sigma like we need to follow our way out of it and that's simply not not only is it economically not sustainable but it's also um, doesn't guarantee any savings of actual water. You could follow a thousand land, a thousand acres of land and get very negligible savings but if you strategically isolate um, overdraft and eliminate that in a slightly separate incentivized manner what we found is that the strength really lied in incentivizing farmers to move simultaneously forward, trying to address multiple challenges from drought to safeguarding water resources, to promoting sustainable ag practices. So again, it just, it really, we can't say enough to the farmers that were involved in this. They really stuck their necks out again, a lot of thanks to those that stopped for the last two years and helped us develop this program, but. Um, really identifying ways to to facilitate drought protection and groundwater sustainability through flood protection brought us food security and active areas for recharge.
0: Um, what does the future of WANFLEX look like? Um, are we going to get more funding in the future? If so, so uh, what what is in store for that?
2: Yes. So um, phase two, so this was... I guess you'd call it phase one broken up into rounds, round one and two. Um, Phase two is well in the works. Uh, We're actually working on um, expanding this program to be other than just including critically overdrafted basins, thinking ahead to the future to some of these more high priority basins. So the amount of money we would need to do that is a little bit more than 25 million. So I will continue to be pushing for more money I know there's still a lot of interest in the existing GSAs that participated already. I'm hopeful that those farmers get another shot at it because I think they really saw the benefit and the value. But at the same time, we have a lot of overdraft to wipe off the books now. Um, and I think the sooner we can do that, the more quickly these basins will end up in compliance with Sigma. And it's, it's just really critical to point out that Although Landflux was initially designed to combat drought conditions, that versatility that it showed, um, to not only facilitate recharge on this, on this acreage, but we also were able to protect the California aqueduct by strategically following around those locations in Westlands. So that has generated a lot of buzz. I know, um, districts and GSAs that are in and around the aqueduct in and around the Frank Kern canal are now very interested in seeing what a phase two of land flex will look like but we were, i think was on this podcast a few weeks ago and there's a number of things in the works that we're trying to change and make a little bit more simple um but the biggest one that i think both uh, gsa and farmer agree on is the timing of the program we want to make sure that the program is announced as close to the water year allocation announcements as possible which gives us about three weeks on a good day again yes there is uh the next round of of land fluxes in the works allison can expect to be very busy again soon um and again kudos to a lot of people that were involved in getting this amount of water saved but just we started off by talking about the 4,300 acres that were enrolled um, uh, we are looking at over 50,000 acre feet of savings total. Um, and then an additional 75 of overdraft permanently bought down in this case. So that's close to 150,000 acre feet in one round, which puts the price per acre foot at just over $400 an acre foot. I think that's a pretty good ROI for the taxpayer. It's one of the cheapest programs with the best results that DWR has ever seen.
0: Another thing is uh, we've definitely been looking at things we could do to LandFlex to make it go smoother and the process uh, easier and better for both the growers and us as well um, for the next phase as well. So if anyone has any um, recommendations or anything that last time you felt worked or didn't work, uh, go ahead and reach out to us and let us know about that.
2: That's a really good suggestion. And this program was built off farmer feedback, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, so our partners with EWR have been really amenable to that feedback. And I think that we're ready to run with a lot of the changes. Um, And again, kudos to the GSAs that also stuck their necks out because this was a a tough program to kind of get. It was very new for everybody. Um, Hopefully the second time through won't be quite as clunky. Um, but uh, maybe some of those modifications we're making now will really help with that.
0: Anya, do you have anything else you'd like to leave the growers with?
2: I think it's important for people that might be thinking ahead to rapidly consider what their growing operations look like in a year from now in 2040 conditions. We need to stop talking about transition water, <clears throat> stop talking about how long we're going to have it, and start reacting to adjusting some of these minimum thresholds. It's really important for these GSAs that have not passed their plans um, at the state level to strongly start considering what they're really using and what they could live with um, because it's no longer an acceptable practice to rely on vast quantities of overdraft. And I think LaneFlex proved that. We also had a really critical year of uh, both – extreme drought and then extreme wetness back to back and so you're right the balancing force is somewhere in the middle um and one of the things that we all saw with landflex was the innovation that's going on out there the farmers and growers who are th- who are actually thinking about this have just been a joy to work with i think a lot of people can take a look at the technology that they've deployed here And some of it was just simple crop growing patterns. Some of it was just simple percolation ponds. Some of it was a little heavily engineered, but people are really thinking about how they can manage their own water supply without drawing down the aquifer. And I think that should be encouraged. But in the meantime, looking ahead at something like LandFlex, how that relates to more transition water buy downs, well, it's gonna get tighter. The whole system is gonna get a lot tighter and especially if you're in a GSA that has to make serious adjustments in the next six months, um, there's a lot of guys out there that you can talk to. I think generally speaking, we need to think ahead at a much faster pace than we were as an industry. Uh, not the sexiest finishing conversation on LandFlex, but the world is moving ahead a lot faster on groundwater sustainability than I think um, you know, some farmers are. And so, um, we're here to help. We want to make sure that these incentive programs really do help the farmer, um, as opposed to, you know, some other quasi state entities. We want to make sure that these incentive dollars actually flow to people that are most impactive and make sure that they employ as many folks as they did before. Make sure that they're getting as much value for their farms as they were. And it can be a really hard and scary thing to think about. But what we saw, a lot of walnuts coming out, that was, I think, um, step one for a lot of folks. Uh, We did see some almonds coming out with landflex, but we also saw a lot of transition away from winter wheat and corn to just wheat, sorghum, and milo. And landflex allows the farmer and the grower to stay productive long after they're done fallowing. They can come back with some of those cover crops. Um, And I think that that has been a really important component at balancing the entire sigma portfolio a farmer has to look at. If he's going to grow 40 acres of productive, thirsty trees or productive, thirsty winter wheat and corn, he's going to have to balance that with a slightly lower productive piece of ground um, to make sure his water portfolio balances. And again, we saw that with LandFlex. We saw a lot of guys that immediately got this. And then we also recognize that there was a lot of concern and, um, just hesitation to engage in a transition conversation that eliminates that overdraft that quickly. But the sooner we start having those conversations as a community, the better off we'll be with respect to segment compliance.
0: Thanks for joining us today,
2: Anya. Have a great day.
0: Thanks again, Anya, for coming on the podcast, and thank you to those who are listening. If you would like a notification when a new episode of Seen and Heard releases, you could subscribe to the podcast. Have a good week.
1: Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com.
2: turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thank
0: you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors, The Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our guests, please note that the opinions expressed in the and Heard podcast may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors or our sponsors. If you would like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at